later on and you came in with let's talk about sex come on <laughs> yeah man. this is ridiculous hey well this is a very appropriate intro song for episode 129 uh let's talk about sex salt and pepper black's Ma- black's magic 1998 album uh dfs mvp spotify playlist is where you could find that intro along with all of the other intros to the dfs mvp the best intro music on the planet and the reason that that is an appropriate song to bring us in is because we have Adam Levitan to look at first look at DK pricing for week one, his approach to NFL DFS cash games. If you don't know Adam, you might be wondering why the hell is that an appropriate song? Because he's the founder and president of hashtag team sex. He's the co-founder of Establish the run formerly of Roto world and DraftKings. He's Jerry's dad. He's an author skin to fur takes on fantasy sports gambling and life. You can find that on Amazon, Adam Levitan, what is going on, buddy? Yo, yeah, thanks for the intro, man. I, you left out one of my best companies, Gender Labs LLC, where we do optimal, uh, you know, gender consulting and, and positioning and stuff like that for everybody's <laughs> sex go. lives also. So, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we are, um, we are heavy in the sex game this week, but we'll, we'll, shift, we'll shift the focus to uh, football here pretty quick um if you're interested in football more than sex and specifically dfs go to four for four sign up for the dfs subscription with the promo code dfs mvp get yourself 25 percent off that's good only for the dfs subscription adam how's your bush looking these days buddy uh yeah i've actually done a manscape read before so i can't wait to hear this one well no i mean basically all we do is just have people on and i ask them about their bush (laughs) where are you right now you're level one two three you doing okay there yeah no i i i'm doing good but the best part of these reads is where they tell you that like the manscaped things won't nick your sack and and as someone who has nicked their sack before i appreciate that they actually include that in the reads why? Because uh, you were scared about it, and then you went into it, and you said, this is pretty good? Well, How did this work for you? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think the biggest fear everybody has is nicking your sack. Otherwise, everybody would go right to the bone, right? Right to the sheer. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I do. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like a no-brainer to me. All right. See, that's all you got to do, TJ. You just say that. You just say, hey, how's your bush going? And go to <laughs> manscaped.com. And we got the lawnmower 3.0. Did you use the lawnmower 3.0, Leviton? By the way, you were not expecting to walk into this, were you? It was just like, you know, I'm going to talk some football, but TJ went with sex. I'm going with Manscaped. Yeah. No, I, I'd actually prefer to talk about anything rather than football. So this is okay. this, this is this is fine by me. And yeah, I mean, the lawnmower I think uh, uh, is one of the most effective products on the market. These guys are crushing. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DFSMVP at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. Use the code DFSMVP. All right, so new listeners, here's what we do. Core plays every position. We got the main slate coming up, but we don't have a main slate uh, for a couple of more weeks. Hopefully we will. So I turn it over to you, TJ. 
Yeah, let's jump right into it. Uh, we don't have the main slate yet, but DraftKings did release their pricing for week one. So uh, before we get into a little bit of theory, uh, Adam, uh, I know you're a big DK guy. Did anybody stand out to you, any position, um, just pricing players that you're looking to target, uh, just anything in general, just glancing at week one slate? Yeah, I, I think typically when you play cash, you want to be trying to save at tight end on DraftKings mm-hmm. specifically, where a lot of times tight end pricing is depressed at the bottom end. You know, like the range of playable tight ends goes from 3K to 7,200, where the range of playable running backs is often just like 6K plus. So. Right. Um, I, I think Ian Thomas is going to stick out to a lot of people and, and certainly mm-hmm. stuck out to me at 3,400 in that game against the Raiders. Um, that's really cheap for a guy who I think has a chance to have an every down role in, in a game with two really potentially really bad defenses that, um, could get a little nutty. So, so yeah, I think, you know, there weren't a ton of huge values I thought mm-hmm. to start. So I think guys under 4k, under 5k who are going to see a lot of opportunity, at least for now. Um, are going to jump out like sore thumbs, like Jalen Rieger. We'll see how he does yep. in his battle against J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I assume Rieger will win it, and he's only 4,300 against the Redskins. But, yeah, guys like that under 5K are always going to stick out. Yeah, I like the Ian Thomas call. I mean, uh, if you look at his splits um, with and without Greg Olson, he's putting up, like, starter-type numbers over six targets per game. Uh, and and who knows, with, with Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, one of the big – talking points about Bridgewater is that he he didn't push the ball downfield so even though Carolina has some nice downfield weapons like does Ian Thomas become um, an integral part of that passing game is there anyone else at at any other positions that really jumped out to you in terms of just first look at pricing yeah the Jalen Rieger thing did just because I think the Redskins are going to be so good in their front seven and so bad in the back end and so Jalen Rieger assuming that he wins in every down roll and Alshon Jeffrey starts on pop and J.J. Arcega Whiteside is the same guy as he was last year, i.e. not able to beat out, like, you know, uh, AAF players, then I think mm-hmm. Jalen Rieger at 4,300 makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, if you go a little bit more expensive, I mean, DK Metcalf at 5,800 against yeah. the Falcons, I think is going to stick out. Um, and there's just a, a lot of receivers, just like in season long. Like, if you go through rounds three through seven and look at all these outrageous values there, in season long, a lot of them are going to show up in DFS too. And I think DK Metcalf is one that's like, you know, fifth round or whatever in season long and 5,800 on on DK is just just too low. Yeah, I like the rigor call a lot. Um, I mean, obviously a lot can change. We still have a month before kickoff, but just kind of looking first glance, like that Eagles uh, game against Washington uh, looks like Carson Wentz is pretty valuable. Looks like Miles Sanders is a decent price. Uh, I, I'm guessing that's probably going to be one of the more popular stacks, I'm, I'm, and people are probably might be shy about playing a rookie in Week One with no offseason. So, uh, Rieger could be a play that's a little bit contrarian. On uh, on the solo pod that you just did this week, you actually touched on something that I I was actually looking at on DraftKings, and you were just talking about people taking their stand early in the season. And this will transition us to our next talking point. But uh, one point that I noticed was that if we look at the biggest spreads, at least right now, Ravens, 49ers, Colts, Patriots, all favored by six and a half or more. All of those backfields are ambiguous backfields. Um, And you talked a little bit on ETR about just like taking a stand early in the season. Like, do you have a take on those backfields or even just if you don't have a player specifically out of them, just like how you're approaching those ambiguous backfields early in the season? 
Yeah, I mean, people are just overconfident, right? Like, mm-hmm. people are are overconfident that Raheem Mostert is definitely going to be the main guy ahead of Tevin Coleman. People are overconfident that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to get, you know, 80% of the Chiefs running back touches. Um, you know, maybe they will, but I think there's at least some chance that they won't. You know, Marlon Mack is probably going to play ahead of Jonathan Taylor to start the season. I would mm-hmm. think on Johnson's probably going to play ahead of DeAndre Swift to start the season. That's just not how they're going to be priced or how they're drafted yeah. right now. And so, yeah, you know, I, I think ambiguous situations and people being overconfident in them is a huge, huge, huge uh, leverage point for week one because by the time we get to week four, it'll be like blatantly obvious, right? Like right. All, everybody will be realized. Um, well, they won't, not everybody will have like a perfect uh, outlook on it, but everybody yeah. will more likely to trend towards the right range of how many touches guys will get. So yeah, if you have a take in week one, I would really encourage people more than any other year to just go for it. Yeah. So Adam, I'm one of those guys that actually loves betting on the preseason. I actually more than betting. I love DFS preseason DFS. We got no preseason DFS. We learned so much from those games down the depth chart. Maybe guys that can help you later in the year or even out of the gate with rookies. So what are you doing now that we have no preseason? Yeah, man, I got a lot more time on my hands. It sucks. I mean, you know, preseason, I think, was great for, number one, getting to see which starters play uh, with the first team quarterbacks. You know, and I think that was a huge, huge value to figure stuff out. Uh, but number two, playing DFS is just, you know, I, I mean, it's a ton of work because you're going through 80-man rosters and trying to figure out who's going to be playing. and You have no injury report or anything like that. But to be rewarded for work, you know, and, and it sucks. I mean, let's be honest, when you're playing DFS and you put it in a ton of work and you still lose, like, you know, that sucks, man. And like, I get that that's like a bad experience for people. I think if you're actually working really hard in NFL preseason, preseason and you get it, then you're really more likely to uh, see return on your investment and really return on your time is the biggest thing for me, you know? So um, yeah, you know, it sucks uh, not having preseason and, and what can we do, man? I've been playing a little bit of, of NBA DFS. I've been playing a little golf, but but besides that, I'm just trying to get my get my takes ready for week one. So the big thing for me is listening to what coaches are saying at this point. Now, a lot of people just brush over it. I think if you do that, there are some situations where you're going to learn and you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. How do you dig through all the coach speak? Yeah, I think if you've done this for long enough, there's certain coaches who like to talk a lot of shit. And then there's a lot, a lot <laughs> of coaches who and there's other coaches who who shoot straight, you know. Um, like I never believe a word out of Pete Carroll's mouth, like, like ever. He, he just says everybody on his team is great. He can't wait to play them all. I mean, Sean McVay was lying about, you know, Todd Gurley's injury status for a year. Um, and it'll, you know, you go on and on with that. I think there's some guys that shoot it straighter, uh, or say nothing, but yeah, I, I mean, I hate the whole coach speak thing because guys just don't want to talk ill of their players like that, which makes perfect sense to me. Like, why would you want to do so? And and they also don't want to give up a competitive advantage by saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to play, uh, you know, Jalen Rieger every snap in week one, and he's going to be our starting X. And, and, you know, like that's just going to give the defense a huge advantage to, in preparation standpoint. So yeah, I think you just have to take everything, everything with a grain of salt. And, and if you go with more of an, uh, in the end, talent is going to win out in most coaching situations. I think that's a better way to start from and then also throw in some of the coach speed that you think matters yeah you you made a a pretty subtle point there that like you never want to hear or a coach never wants to say anything bad about their players and actually heard uh russ russ tucker talk about this a couple years ago like 
if you do hear something negative from a coach or even like hint at like a player that is a starter might not be starting like that's probably you should probably hang on that a lot more than a player or a coach puffing up their players right like if a coach is hinting that a player isn't good like that's that's a a, a pretty big sign um for coaches that are generally trying to keep it close to the vest um kind of switching gears but staying in the same lane a little bit like we do all of this work whether it be preseason right now or we've been doing best balls redraft um studying football all off season and now no football games but one thing that we do uh, come up with in our studies is like who are these players that are flying under the radar who are going to be breakouts and and that is with a spin on redraft or best ball but one thing that I think there might be an edge to is like if we've done all that homework a lot of these guys they're going to be underpriced DFS guys. So do you like implement that into any of your uh, early season strategy in terms of player selection, like a Jalen Rieger? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of overlap between season long and DFS. I mean, you know, I, I, ideally we're trying to project who's going to be on the field a ton and who's going to be uh, efficient and what types of ways are they going to be used and and how uh well their offense and their coaches want to use them like all that stuff is important for season long uh and for dfs i think season long skews a little bit more towards betting on talent and dfs mm-hmm. skews way more towards betting on opportunity yeah um but that said you know f- figuring out opportunities is a huge part of the season long process as well so yeah i mean there, there's there's gonna be a lot of guys that uh, uh you know I, I think i'll have in season long and i'll also want to play a ton of in, in week one you know like you know, Calvin Ridley and, and Adam Thielen, and I don't even know what the matchups are yet on these guys, but just guys yeah. that, you know, Will Fuller and, and, and guys that, um, you know, I want to bet on in, in season long that um, I think I'll also be on in DFS. It just, it just, there's so much overlap. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's just going to be times like, like, like a Calvin Ridley, like in, in a couple of weeks, he might be an $8,000 receiver and he might be that for the rest of the year. Right. So like my, like get him while he's affordable and, and get that exposure to a blow up player. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, there was like Christian McCaffrey, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I remember he was like 6K, you know, mm-hmm. and, and oh my um, God, yeah, seems unimaginable. No, I remember like, I remember not playing him one slate when he was like 60, <laughs> when he was like 6,400. It was like the most egregious thing ever. And I just like couldn't live with myself. Like I, I really did want to off myself. It was so bad. And then like for him to be like 8K the next week, I just could I just couldn't take yeah, it. It was like exactly. too much for me to handle. Exactly. So this is interesting. I'm trying to figure out if guys, like I said, play a ton are going to have an advantage or disadvantage this year just with all the swapping out and guys with COVID. And I don't even know if we're sure how the DFS companies are are going to uh, handle that at this point. But do we have an advantage since we're here? Or do the guys that really don't know what they're doing as much have an advantage because we're getting brought down? I'm not sure I follow the question. Are you suggesting that that we know too we we know too much and therefore we're at a disadvantage? Well, I don't think if we know too much. I just think that there's going to be, gosh, uh, so much uncertainty that it would bring our our knowledge down a little bit, and it would give people yeah. a better chance that don't play much. Or are you completely the other way? Right. No, I know what you're saying. Is variance ramped up by having no offseason? Is there going to be more random stuff happening? And, and yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that heading into a week one, we would normally have a much better idea than we have now about which guys are going to be on the field, uh, how offenses are going to be schemed and stuff like that. So, so yeah, from that perspective, sure. I think the best 
DFS tournament players right now um, are playing their opponents more than they're playing mm-hmm. um, uh, what's going to happen on the field. And so to that end, you know, they're always going to have an advantage because, you know, we can say, you know, there's going to be a certain percentage of of uh, Matt Ryan, Julio stacks out there. And so, um, you know, we we think that's going to be way over owned and, and, you know, we're going to go a different direction and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Uh, I, I think that there is going to be more variance this year for sure. Um, while we see how this all shakes out. But after week one and we get a bunch of evidence uh, as to how players are going to be used, I think it'll kind of settle back into the way it used to be. Yeah, so you, you mentioned that um, in NFL, uh, you said tournament players, but just in general, like people are playing their opponents. There's, um, you, You've been talking about on ETR a lot. There's a lot more nuance to NFL, and obviously it is data-driven, but let's kind of start shifting into just how you approach the game in general, and before we get into to the lineup building specifics that I'm uh, hinting at there, uh, you you trend towards cash games. You're one of the better cash game players uh, out there. You're you're pretty open about your results. You're always um, recapping your, yourself every single week. Um, you're not out there uh, uh, posting the screenshots uh, every week like uh, like like people are want to do on on the Twitter sphere. Um, so how are you how are you approaching DFS NFL specifically? Um, Bankroll management, game selection, game mix, playing across multiple sites. Just your your general philosophy on how you're going about. You're obviously not going into the lobby and clicking on blindly clicking on games. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I spend so much time registering for games because I'm just I'm trying to get good action. I mm-hmm. think if you know um, the field and you know at high stakes the field it really isn't that big, and so right. I know you know like who I want to play against. Uh, and who I don't, and so I'll click through some three mans and some ten mans and yep. five mans, and I'll spend time clicking through to see who's in the games, and it's time consuming, but it's worth it, and all that's just like part of the grind um, because you know the edge is 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 not that big. I mean, right. you know, like uh, I've been uh, like able to win at like somewhere between like eight and fifteen percent. You know, it's not like a like people think it's like an ATM machine. Like I, I turn on the DraftKings and it's like a printing press. Like that that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, like eight to ten. 15% um, is great in gambling, but, um, you know, it's not, I'm sure there's people out there who are like laughing because they're printing like 400% in stocks or whatever, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're, if you're winning 15% playing mainly cash NFL DFS, you're crushing. Right. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's for sure not a printing pest and that comes with a lot of game selection. So yeah, I mean, I, I used to play both FanDuel and DraftKings um, when I was, you know, working with DraftKings, um, I just had so much of what I was researching and working on on DraftKings that, like, FanDuel, it's just, it, I just wasn't able to cross over well, and I was losing, sure. and I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to uh, concentrate on, on playing on DraftKings, and I'm going to try to play every slate, you know, just make my best lineup for every slate, and I'm going to try to get as much as I can on it, and I'm not going to worry as much about FanDuel, maybe just play some tournaments there. So that's the way I've been doing it. That's probably the way I'll, I'll keep doing it this year, although I do think there's a chance that uh, the action is a little bit softer on FanDuel for whatever reason, but um, but yeah, you know, I, I'll be in, I'll be posted, you know, up to five Ks in head to heads, and I'll be um, trying to play as many three mans and ten mans and single entry fifty fifties as I can. And every yeah. year at this time, I tell myself that I'm going to play more tournaments because that's where all the <laughs> soft money is, and that's where uh, all the big payouts are and, and everything. Um, and every year at this time, I say I'm going to do it, and by like week three, I'm just like so tilted, and I find it like so distracting to where I have 90% of my money that uh, that I end up not doing it. 
but we'll see. This year, I'm like, I'm I'm really gonna try to make like five, four, eight, ten like hand built tournament lineups every week and just like force yeah. myself to do it. You 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 touched on a lot of points that I think are really important. I want to circle back to um, a couple of them. Uh, you said you're you're mixing in three mans, five mans, ten mans. Like, how are you? Um, implementing that into like like are you just rolling out your cash lineups in those how are you selecting those like I think this is really important because it's it was a blind spot of mine for a while where I was like just playing straight head-to-heads and 50 50s and then like you're losing upside by not playing some three mans five mans I don't mess with 10 mans but I think um, you, you might be able to convince me here yeah no I, I mean depending on who's in the game I'm willing to put my cash lineup in and I don't mm-hmm. have like a, a leagues team or anything like that I know some people yeah. run a leagues team um, I just run my normal team and i I think um depending on who's in the game you can tell if it's optimal if it's right to run the cash team or not like there's certain guys who i basically know who they're going to play um and we're going to have you know some 1v1 or 2v2 that that's not great for five or ten mans um but you know explain to people that that might not be familiar with that term what you mean there which one the a 1v1 or a 2v2 oh yeah so like you know if i play against um I don't know. I don't even know who's a good example. Me. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we might we might have you know on a nine man DraftKings roster, we might have seven of the same guys, yeah, uh, or eight of the same guys, and especially in a week where like it's so obvious who like the clear cut values are, even if there's like four obvious plays, uh, that's going to push your lineup in a direction where we're probably mm-hmm. going to end up on four more of the same plays, uh, also. So so yeah. Um, but there's games where that's just not the case, and you know, like right. I know people think this is like you know predatory or whatever you know like they have (laughs) they have every right all week to do the same work that i'm doing and i even have the the sites are the ones putting badges on people okay yeah (laughs) yeah and i mean it's like yeah you you put your money up and i put my money up and that's it like i don't don't really feel bad about like playing trying to find underprepared people or people firing lineups on their phone to try to play against so right so yeah let's let, let me be clear like if i would there's no way i'd be able to win eight percent or ten percent or fifteen percent playing like you know nosebleed stakes or playing or right. not game selecting you know what i mean like that that's a totally different story i just i, I get into arguments with high stakes guys all the time they're like oh the games are dead and i'm like well the games are not dead if you're not trying to play 100k a week you know what i mean so like sure so it's just a total difference yeah, I mean, for for lack of a better term, I mean, if if you're not in a dick swinging contest, you could probably be pretty good at this thing. Um, I, I want to touch on on one other thing that you mentioned in terms of game selection. Uh, you talked about playing single entry fifty fifties, or or I mean, double ups are less return, but there are some single entries too. Like finding the single entries is huge. Like that uh, that can't be understated how important it is to find those um, instead of of multi entry. And and you can go on four four and read about that. But you talked about um, hand building a couple uh, tournament lineups. Um, I I know your your advice probably isn't going to pertain to everybody because they're probably not going to be able to afford the tournaments you're playing in. But how are you selecting which tournaments you want to play? Um, I I have a feeling you're not just going to the feature lobby and throwing money or lineups in the milli. Yeah, no. Um, you know, like I, I I know that I'm really unlikely to find like the actual perfect lineup, like you know and that's what you need to win the million so right. you know I, I don't i you know whatever i, I i'll I, I get that it's fun and everybody wants to have fun and and i you know adam's anti-fun because he hates the million or whatever you know <laughs> what i mean like I, I i get it um uh i think that i'm so rate conscious that like yes. I, it's hard for me to click on these tournaments that are up to like 15 percent. and so yeah you have to play higher stakes to get to the rake 
structures that are like nine percent or so um and you also are facing tougher competition so like you mm-hmm. know there's 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 give and take there uh for sure um but yeah you know i i think that the tournaments that have under 10 percent rake are typically what i'm uh looking to play in um and they typically have flatter payout structures yep. um but you know the downside is, is there i mean i think uh, the downside is they're just in the quality of competition, which has gotten so much better. Like the, the right. wild, the wildcat. I think it used to be a really, really like soft uh, GPP, the three, three, three on on DraftKings, and now like I think you can make a pretty good case that it, it's pretty tough. But you yep. do get the rake, you do get the rake discount too. So yeah, it's it's tough, man. I mean, it, it's definitely not easy. So on your pod, you were talking about building cash lineups that could be like five points off your optimal lineup. Mm-hmm. So how do you, I mean, do you even bother using the lineup generators? I mean, I'm, I don't anymore um, because I don't enter 150 entry tournaments or anything like that. And where are you falling? What do you think about optimizers? Where are they falling short? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me say this. When I say five points <laughs> off optimal, I'm, I'm using the word optimal in quotes because people take right. optimal as data. It, it's, it's really not like the way that a... Uh, you know, your projections would, you would just take your projections and run them through an optimizer, right? But projections inherently are extremely subjective. Like there's people out there who think uh, Raheem Mostert's going to get 70% of San Francisco's running back touches. And so is that a data point? No, that that's literally just their opinion. There's no machine learning. There's no, there's no data. It's not like a data point. So to me, for people to say, uh, oh, you know, you played a lineup five points off optimal. It's like, that's, that's your opinion of what's optimal. And I get that it came from a lineup, from an optimizer, which is a data-driven thing, but the actual projections that went into it are not a data-driven thing. So, so yeah, I, I think if you can't make, you know, uh, one cash lineup uh, by hand, um, I think you're probably not going to win in the long run uh, anyways. And so what I like to do is if I get down to a 2v2 or a 3v3, I'll probably look at some projections that I like and, and try to figure out which one is best. And I think it's also important to know, like, like what people are going to play. So I'll usually take, right. like, uh, some aggregate of projections and run them through an optimizer and see what the top 10 lineups uh, mm-hmm. look like. And so, you know, sometimes the lineup that I, you know, came up to on my own is the same as the one, uh, one of those 10 that, that pops up. And sometimes um, it's not, but I'm certainly not afraid to be like, oh my God, uh, you know, you're five points off quote unquote optimal. Like people like, and I know people in the industry like get it, I think, but I really think the public actually thinks that like, if you put projection through an optimizer you have like a data point that gives you the answer to the test like i don't i don't really understand yeah i i you touched on a lot there and i mean i i should preface this or or uh or respond to what you're saying by obviously at 444 we we do run optimizers we do have projections and and we think they're they're pretty accurate con- compared to what you can get um on some sites there's some really bad projection models but i've talked about it on this pod i've talked about it in the articles that i write on 444 like these things they are built like holden said like if you're playing 150 lineups in multiple tournaments uh, across multiple stakes yeah you need a lineup generator that's going to help you sort through those things so you could put in some parameters um, based on your player pool and that's the optimal way to use a lineup generator i think be is to be getting your player pool before you do it but Adam, you touched on something that's really important, and and I think it is the proper way to use a lineup generator or an optimizer if you are um, like only playing one cash lineup for the entire week. One, it's going to tell you what people are doing, right? Like if you go to like three or four sites or if you're on Twitter and like you see um, these, these players that are being touted and 
if there's three or four lineup generators that are um, that are spitting out pretty similar lineups, like not only are you going to know what other people doing, but maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe, you know, like what I do is like, do I have a blind spot? Like, is there a value that I'm just completely missing? Is there a player that, that is a good value? Like, because you know, a, a a projection model is going to point out values. Obviously, again, it's based on the projection, but um, do you have like a blind spot in it? So I think looking at it that way is kind of important. I mean, you talked about like knowing who you're playing against and, and knowing what they're going to do. Like that has to factor into it a little bit, right? Oh, it, yeah. And, and for sure, you should be making sure you're not missing something like glaring. You know, like I mentioned like mm -hmm. not playing Christian McCaffrey at six, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that that's the kind of thing that like, you would get you would catch uh, pretty quickly if uh, you were using uh, you know a projection and optimizer and stuff like that. So so yeah, I, I think it makes sense. I think to have some combination of both, but to understand that projections are not dead and you should not be like afraid at all to like have a take that differs from them. Right. Um, so I mean, if if you're not mainly using op optimizer or not using a lineup generator just to like blindly spit out your lineups. Um, let's let's discuss how you're going about uh, your main focus is cash. How you're focusing on your cash game lineups, like your your thought process going through that. I think, um, I mean, going back to 2015 uh, and newer players, they're gonna think. You know, I'm I'm focused on the floor. I only need to beat one guy in a, a 50 50 or in a head to head, or or I just need to hit the cash line in a 50 50 or a double up. Um, but I think it's important and become more important because people are getting sharper and putting up higher scores. I mean, even what we just talked about, like as much as there are holes in lineup generators, there the average fan can go and, and like find a good projection system and put out like a decent lineup um, from, from an optimal um, and, and scores are higher because of it across the industry. Uh, so I think we need to be focusing on ceiling, even in cash games, especially if you're playing exclusively head to head. So, I mean, maybe I'm off here, but I've actually implemented or even like favored stacking in cash in recent years. How are you going about um, stacking upside, even like looking at ownership in cash games? Yeah, I'll say two things. Uh, first, NFL is different than any other cash game because one guy can just completely break a, a, a cash game. Like if you have, yes. um, you know, like when Will Fuller had like, you know, 200 yards and four touchdowns or whatever, like, you can have just total air balls in the rest of your lineup and you can have one yep. guy uh, carry you. And that's not like any other sports. So yeah, I am reaching and I am prioritizing guys who can do that for me, who can make up for all the other holes. If I have a bunch of guys whose ceiling is 10 points, you know, like that's not good uh, because if I'm wrong on any of these guys floor, like I'm just totally dead in the water. So, so yeah, I'm all, always reaching mm -hmm. for upside and cash. This whole idea that like you should only be looking at floor is ridiculous. Uh, I have not gone as far to stack in cash. I, if you're exclusively playing head-to-heads, I, I get it. Um, I think you're putting, depending on the spot, you know, I've certainly done it. But if it's a thin spot, it's I think it's just too much risk on two nights of your lineup to be stacking yeah. uh, in cash because, God, I mean, you know, something goes bad there and you're just, you're just totally, totally sure. dead. And so I haven't gone that far. I haven't really looked at it that much from a data perspective to think about mm -hmm. it. But I've typically done things like if there's two high price receivers that I like and two quarterbacks that I like, I'll, I might mix and match them. You know, like I'll play yep. uh, Matt Ryan with Odell and I'll play uh, uh, Baker with Julio or something like that and try sure, to get exposure sure. to both. And maybe that's kind of a, a hedgy way to look at it. 
Um, but I feel like it raises your floor at least some. Yeah, are, are you, so are you actively avoiding stacking and then to the point you just made, um, will you play multiple cash lineups in like a hedge type situation in a single week? God, you know, when, I've, when I'm like <laughs> lacking confidence and I like feel like I have no heart and like I just like can't face losing again, yeah. I'll play two lineups, but like it's always ends out the same where one lineup ends up being good and one lineup ends up being bad and I like break even and lose the rake, you know? So uh, I try to man up and uh, play one uh, lineup and and you you know hedge in other ways like you know mm-hmm. uh, play not play one lineup in 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 the one pm only slate and the in the four pm only slate that has you know a slightly different combos and stuff like that and exposure to mm-hmm. other guys so there's there's other ways to hedge uh, besides just playing more than one lineup on on a slate yeah the the reason and and people listen to DFS MVP um, are probably sick of hearing me saying this even though we haven't even started the season yet because I talk about it so much in season but the reason that I'm uh, if, if you're exclusively playing head-to-heads, and, and Levitan, maybe you might disagree with this, but my take is that uh, if if you're playing exclusively head-to-heads, you want – I don't avoid the stacking um, because the upside of, of having a higher score is if you have a 70, 80th percentile lineup, even maybe 90, 99th percentile, which you'll have once in a while, you're going to win 90 or 90, 99% of your um, head-to-heads, whereas – if you are playing um, 50-50s or double up, you just need to hit that cash line. doesn't matter if you have a, a 52nd percentile score or 90th percentile score. You make the same amount of money. So that's that's my thought process there. Oh, for sure, yeah. If you're playing only head-to-head, yeah, stacking is, of course, going to be way more viable. So you get a lot of questions. I guess all of us get questions from fans and stuff like that. And the, the question for you would be, you've got average DFS players out there, and a lot of them, you know, they, they break even, and then there's guys that lose, and even ladies too. Is there, is there a theme? Maybe how about a couple of stats or um, maybe some intricacies of the NFL that a lot of people overlook? Maybe it's pace. Maybe it's game flow. Maybe they don't watch film. Maybe you don't have to watch film. Give us a couple of things that you think the an, an average DFS player overlooks. Yeah, I think people overestimate their ability to identify outliers on low volume, you know. And so somebody's watching Red Zone and people are watching games and they're hanging out with their friends and they see, you know, Marquise Brown break off an 80-yard uh, a touchdown and, and they don't realize that he only played 20% of the snaps and he only ran 12 routes. And then next they're chasing the whole season. Well, Marquise Brown can do it at any, at any time. Like, just watch, you know, I saw him do it. Um, and so, yeah, I think when people watch games and I wouldn't discourage people from watching games and having fun, you know, people should really just be, you know, people shouldn't be out here to grind, uh, like me and TJ are talking about that much. Like this is for, you know, sick people only, like most people should just be, uh, playing for fun. And I get that watching games and trying to pick off guys that you think are better from a talent perspective than other guys, um, makes sense. But the best players are, uh, almost exclusively looking at opportunity and how lineups correlate with each other and, and how, uh, uh, defenses react and how offenses are schemed and stuff like that rather than trying to be a talent scout and, and trying to uh, get caught up in, in how good a player is. So yeah, I, I would say that's probably the number one mistake that, that average people probably make. So are you telling me that the average person that watches a football game is not actually watching film and by watching the game they cannot dis- decisively say if Lamar Jackson is more accurate than Josh Allen? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people are crazy with their with their real football guy takes, you know, I mean, it's it, it really is crazy. Like, and you can tell there's other ways to tell 
how good a player is. Like, you know, you can tell like um, average separation metrics for receivers mm-hmm. and, and all kinds of ways that you can tell uh, how good a player is that's data driven instead of just like watching and being like, oh, my God, that guy looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Adam, um, before we get you out of here, uh, a lot of people are um, uncertain about just playing fantasy football in general because they don't know um, what the season's uh, going to bring. I, I have a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence just talking to friends and, and people I help out with leagues that haven't drafted yet that are uh, usually drafting by now or that are pushing off their drafts till later in the in the year. So uh, as a DFS dude, as a, a uh, props guy, give your pitch to the redraft person that uh, hasn't tried DFS and why this is the perfect year to try DFS. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I haven't played season long probably since DFS. I haven't really played like serious season long probably you since. You play best ball. Yeah, I'll play a little best ball, but but really, um, you know, to me, like, I am looking for a return on my time and to think about how much time I would put into a season-long league where the prize at the end is, you know, like 500 bucks or 1,000 bucks after I put in, like, I don't even know, like 200, 300 hours with waiver wires and trades and all that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's unfathomable uh, to me. And so if you want to up competition um, and look at the game on a more micro level than macro over a whole season and, you know, not get tilted because your first round pick got hurt or whatever. Like there's just so many different, uh, things that are better for DFS. I understand that, um, you know, there's camaraderie amongst friends, uh, from playing season long, but the, the key to that is just never speaking to your friends anyways and just, <laughs> and just, and just playing DFS. Or sign up for a uh, for a friends league on one of the DFS sites. Um, Levitan, we we appreciate you, dude. You dropped a ton of knowledge in a super short amount of time. Uh, tell everybody where they can get more of that knowledge, where they can find you, what you're up to for this coming NFL season. Yeah, you can always find me on Twitter. Just my name, all one word, Adam Levitan. And then, yeah, I mean, I I, I just everything that I do for for DFS, I basically just put out there on establishtherun.com or on my Twitter. I mean, um, it, it's it's just, I, I just like sharing like my process for what I'm going through with people. And so, and so that's basically it. All right, people, that is the president and co-founder of hashtag Team Sex. Uh, I'm TJ. You can find me at TJ Hernandez, Holden at Holden Radio, of course, 444 at 444 Football, all of those on Twitter. If you haven't signed up yet for your 444 subscription, use the code DFSMVP and get 25% off of that sub. We'll talk to you guys next week. Toxic trap, make any man's eyes pop. She uses what she got to get whatever she don't got. Fellas drew like fools, but then again, they're only human. This chick was a hit because her body was booming. Gold, pearl, rubies, crazy diamonds. Nothing she wore was ever common. Her dates, heads of state, men of taste, lawyers, doctors. No one was too great for her to get with or even mess with. The press, she says, was next on her list. And uh, believe me, you, it's as good as true. There ain't a man alive that she couldn't get next.